Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 25 of the Double Density Podcast with your hosts, Brian and Angelo. Now, Angelo, I think that episode 25 is a bit of a milestone. We've made it so far, you know, it's a fourth of the way to a centennial episode. Uh, I feel like some celebrations are in order. How do you feel about that? It's uh, it's halfway to 50. <laughs> What, what what would it be if it was the um if it was our wedding anniversary? What do you, what's the twenty fifth? Do you have any idea? No, Silver? I do not have any idea. Nor do I, would ever want to refer to this as a wedding anniversary. Right. Well, this this I'm, is a mutual uh, agreement of podcasting. Well, I'm happy we've made it this far, and it's actually more than twenty five, really, if you count our bonus episodes. Although one was only two minutes long, but uh, <laughs> yeah, this it's. I'm really happy we've gone this far. We've uh, we've managed to have our first guest on before the the 25th, and we'd like to uh, go back and thank uh, Rob for last week. It was a lot of fun having him on, and I hope everybody enjoyed that episode. We definitely enjoyed uh, having it. Uh, one thing I do regret about that episode is I didn't keep uh, my recording going at the end because you and Rob really nerded out before our uh, our hangout session was unceremoniously cut off by Google or or them when you guys really got into the uh, UFOs. No, for sure. We spent like a whole hour afterwards. I think it was like a, about an hour just ta- like, you know, talking about different really fun things. So definitely more stuff in the tank uh, in terms of future episode ideas. And it was also a lot of fun just to talk about, you know, the men in black and, you know, a weird Disney world and you know, <laughs> local creatures. No, the, so it was, you know, it was a really good experience. And as always, we're always looking to expand our horizons. So if anyone's interested in joining us for an episode of Double Density, feel free to contact us. We'd love to have a menagerie of different people on, right? Yeah, it'd be a lot of fun. We ha- we've had some ideas for guests in the future, but uh, Rob came up. Uh, we've been interacting with him a lot on Twitter, and he was a lot of fun to talk to. So, yeah, and he's even contributed this week to uh, to our podcast uh, briefly, and uh, we'll touch upon that later in a in a non Rob kind of way, actually. So that'll be fun. But first, of course, I feel like uh, the twenty fifth episode was a pretext for you to uh, get a new phone. So, yeah, I've been waffling on this back and forth. Do I wait to get an iPhone 10? Do I wait to get an iPhone 8 Plus when the prices go down? But uh, my wife had been getting text messages from our carrier with TELUS here, and um, she was just wondering about what the deals were. So I gave them a call just to see. I didn't expect to really get any good deals. At this earliest stage when a phone comes out, they're usually still really expensive. Like when I got my iPhone 6S two years ago, it was pretty expensive. It was on one of the higher prices I've paid for a new phone, even with a contract. So I called them with no real hopes of anything. But um, when I spoke to them, I told them what I had and what I wanted. And um, she put me on hold because I've been with this company for 20 years. And she went back to loyalty and retention people. And she came back saying that, uh, she'd be happy to give me uh, the new iPhone at the price it costs. So it's $360 plus tax. This is for an 8 plus with 64 gigabytes of storage. And um, for an extra $15 a month, that would be the subsidy, which is less than I was paying for my 6S when I was getting that subsidized. And three more gigs of uh, of data. So I'd have uh, seven gigabytes of data, which is what I've had now for a few months on my bring your own device plan. But it was pretty decent. But I said, you know what? You guys gave me a credit last time, so I'm not so sure. So she put me on hold again, and she came back. She's like, well, what if we give you a $100 credit? So I kind of showed my hand at that point by uh, letting out a, an, an audible wow. 
So I was pretty, uh, I wasn't expecting that. So I figured, you know what, a hundred bucks off the phone, getting an iPhone 8 plus for 260 bucks, bucks plus tax at that point. I was pretty happy about it. So I went to the store at one of the carrier stores here and picked one up and switched it out with my success. And um, yeah, it's a great phone. Uh, one of the funnier things, though, is that when you were telling me about your showing of your hand, I had told you, like, you make a horrible hostage negotiator because you kind of uh, gave up the ghost way too quickly. Yeah, that that's not a... Uh, but look, I'm actually pretty good at negotiating that, look, I hardly had to push her and she gave me more than what I was expecting. And that's really all you can hope for when you're uh, trying to get a new phone or a new car or whatever. I always say that when you're looking for one of these types of deals, it's basically best when you leave there not feeling like you got screwed. So that's how I felt. And I'm pretty happy with my monthly bill now. It's not too bad. Definitely affordable. And um, something that my wife told me after the fact, though, uh, was that uh, she kind of was in need of a new phone. But we'll, um, uh, we'll, we'll talk about that a little later. Uh, first, what I do want to say is uh, her, her success that I gave her for, that was mine is essentially a new success because, I've, as I've mentioned before, I was uh, slated for a replacement for a battery based on some sort of defective issue. I never really noticed it. I would charge my battery halfway through the day, so I didn't really feel like it was defective. But now having had the battery replaced and seeing that my wife's phone uh, is at like 95% after her using it for an hour, I can pretty much tell you the battery was defective on that phone. And uh, I just never really noticed. So I thought uh, that was part of having an iPhone was that a battery would be draining halfway through the day. Um, but no, it's um, battery's really great on that. The battery on the iPhone 8 Plus is bonkers good. So just to give you an idea, I've used it all day today. I listen to podcasts most of the days. I don't know if you know about that. Me, do you, I, I do you really podcasts. listen to like, yeah. podcasts? Is that a thing you do? Yeah. So the phone's been used for uh, standby time, 13 hours and 28 minutes. Usage time, 6 hours and 48 minutes. That's like, you know, internet. And um, basically, it's if you look here, the most used apps are Overcast, Instagram, Safari, Messages, uh, Tweetbot photos, things like that. Uh, my battery is currently at 64%. That's not too bad at so, all. No, well, if I would have done that, I would have had to recharge my 6S four times. So uh, I think I'm in good shape with this thing. Uh, the camera is really, really good. I've put some pictures on my Instagram account that I've taken with it. So if anybody wants to go take a look at those, there's some really nice shots. A few of my kids, they're very cute. Um, and I took, I went, I was in Quebec City on the weekend, took some nice pictures of some of the architecture there. Really great shots. It can really take some great pictures. Uh, I already thought the success had great shots with it. And uh, this one, uh, you can take some really good pictures. I really like the portrait mode. The studio lighting is definitely in beta, as they say. Uh, there's some wonky stuff that happens sometimes if you don't get an exact shot. Go on. Um, nothing, no, nothing too bonkers. It's just, it, faces kind of end up looking crooked. And if you try doing the studio lighting thing where, um, not studio lighting, but the stage lighting where they completely blacks out the background, it looks totally wrong. But it works well. Pretty happy. And uh, yeah, I I had to go to the Genius Bar to get my success fixed. Which is a whole adventure unto itself. Yeah, I've never spent that much time at the Apple Store in one day. So I, um, and it wasn't that long, right? I'm more normally in the Apple store for not longer than 10 minutes. 
Uh, I don't really like spending much time there. As much as we like to joke that I'm like an Apple fanboy and stuff, uh, the Apple Store experience, they get my they get m- my stuff to me quickly, whatever, but it's so crowded in there. And from what I understand, the Montreal Store is one of the busiest in the world. I didn't realize this, but uh, somebody who works there told me that it is quite busy. Like it's consi- consistently in their top 10 um, busiest genius, genius bars and on Boxing Day, which is like Canada's equivalent of Black Friday, I guess. It's one of the busiest stores. Uh, so I was there and I waited about 15 minutes before somebody saw me for my appointment. I told him the problems. He tested the phone. Uh, apparently it had a defective receiver, which I never noticed because it worked fine. Um, but they fixed that as well. Fixed the phone. Went, uh, Stayed there, like I said, for about... Uh, it was about 45 minutes I was there, right? Because I was waited about 15 minutes. Took about half an hour to go through everything with the phone. And while I was there, I was getting to listen to people talk about what their problems were. And I'm convinced by just kind of listening in on what's going on, that most of the problems that these geniuses deal with can be solved pretty easily with a Google search. That or keeping peanut butter away from the phone. No, see that you would need a genius to kind of clean it out, right? Because it's kind of hard to <laughs> tear apart the phone. Sure, but sure. Yeah, apart from, like there are a lot of smashed phones I saw. and uh, But the question I heard come up multiple times around me with because you're at a table with like four or five people and a lot of the people there were wondering why their phone was always full and you kind (laughs) of had this problem last week right yeah but i knew exactly why so yeah and so they they told them turn on icloud photo library or take your pictures off your phone but this is the problem apple created for itself by using 16 gigabytes of storage for so long when it was completely inadequate for what the needs of somebody post 2015 was was really needed well it's a combination Um, of 16 gigs plus like an improved camera and then like shooting at 1080 yeah if people oh i have a 4k camera on here let me shoot 4k but yeah a three minute video takes up four gigs so that's not helpful to anyone uh and so what's great about that is uh hearing that and then getting home that night and finding an article about Johnny Ive mentioning that people misuse their iPhones was kind of funny. So I can just picture him like listening in on these genius bar appointments because, you know, they have all listening devices there, right? It even tells you on the table they're watching. And this, these go feed directly to Johnny's iPhone uh, to make sure people aren't misusing the phone. And he does say that people misuse iPhones. And kind of, uh, if you, I'll put, post the article in the show notes, but apparently when he was pressed on it, he kind of like backtracked a little and said that people spend too much time on them and are always on them, which is something I, I tend to agree with. Uh, I don't know about you, Brian, you're millennium, so uh, you, uh, you like to uh, use your phones all the time, right? I like all the, the doodads and the gee whiz bangers and, you know, all yeah. of those things. Um, I actually had this conversation with a coworker the other day because they readily admitted that they actually have a bit of a problem with leaving their phone alone they're working on it. So I think, yes, it is a more of a common concern amongst um, the younger crowd, but I don't think that it's necessarily exclusively a millennial and under um, problem. No, you're absolutely right. I see people my age and older constantly on their phones. When I'm on the train, um, instead of everybody holding newspapers, they're holding their phones. And that's the thing. It's not like anything's changed. People are always trying to distract themselves from the world around them. If you see shots of commuter trains from the 50s where they show people all reading their newspaper and then there's a comparison shot from people in the present day and they're all just looking at their tablets or phones... Um, it's not much different. People just don't want to interact with other humans when they're commuting. Um, I don't look at my phone too much when I'm on the train. I'm mostly just listening to their podcast 
or or some music. Uh, on the odd occasion, if I'm really into something on Netflix, I'll be watching something on my iPad. But um, yeah, I just sit there on the train trying not to uh, talk to anybody. So, <laughs> Well, going from the past to the future, I linked you to an article this week that I thought was really cool. It was a Medium article all about the 20th anniversary of the iPhone and that, what that would look like. So um, it was a pretty comprehensive article. It runs several thousand words deep, but I thought it was very interesting in terms of like it covered all the bases from its design to its aesthetic to a lot of the, um, the programming choices, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, he had a good idea. He's a programmer and um, it's a good 20 minute read according to Medium. And uh, it it's it's not anything that you couldn't really think of, right? It's, it's, I think this is where Apple's going. Uh, the iPhone XX that he shows there. Um, I don't think it'll look exactly like that, but essentially that's what Apple wants. And that's what all these phone manufacturers want. They just want a screen for you to interact with. And that's what uh, the idea behind the iPhone initially was. That's the idea behind the iPad is to just have a screen that you interact with directly and you don't have any other problems or anything else around it. Although it's kind of funny with the iPad now where it was initially that whole thing with the screen and now you're attaching a keyboard to it and you're attaching, you have a pen, all these things, uh, neither of which I've used really. So I'm sure they're great. It's just, you're kind of taking the tablet and turning it into a regular old computer again. But uh, going this to this iPhone XX or no, sorry, 20. Um, yeah. Uh, it'd be funny for the 30th one if it will be a triple X, but um, too hot to handle, I guess. Oh boy, what a dad joke. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to let that slide. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, it, he had some interesting ideas uh, and he's he's right. It's not going to advance as like crazy uh, futuristic things like, uh, you know, he compares it to um, the stuff from Minority Report. It's not going to go that fast. He always mentioned he mentioned that humans always kind of overestimate how far we're gonna go in the future uh, with certain things. I mean, pick up any popular mechanics uh, magazine from the past like sixty years, right? And it's always this idea of this future world that we see that never comes to be. Well, that's the whole thing. Uh, when you go to like Tomorrowland at Disney World, and you're seeing these future transports and all these things that never really came to fruition or uh, bases on the moon and Mars and all that. That doesn't oh, really happen. those exist, happen. though. Those, those definitely exist. They're just not being told publicly. All right, wrong segment, Brian. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, maybe they do. So the thing he's talking about is we might be going towards flexible displays, which is something that actually Samsung is working on, um, but it really won't look that much different from our smartphones today other than it'll be thinner, probably lighter, Hopefully shatterproof, unlike every other phone that there is right now. Uh, but that's something I'd like. Better batteries and shatterproof. And that's that's kind of what... I, I had sort of like an article like this we wrote on uh, on DoubleDeadCity.net. Um, and really, battery life is the number one thing. I'm impressed with this iPhone 8 Plus battery. But hey, what about a battery that lasts a week or a battery you don't have to worry about when you're on vacation at all? Uh, that'll be pretty amazing. Although bringing uh, that reasonable futurist gong of yours, yeah, well, that's a, that's something that's reasonable, right? Uh, these screens, all these screens that are uh, higher density displays and stuff, can you really tell the difference at a certain point? The especially if it's so small, not really. the The Retina screen on this phone is there's you know it's not as sharp as as some of the new Samsung phones. It's not as sharp as what the iPhone 10 is going to have. 
but look, I'd be hard pressed to find the pixel on this thing unless I smash it up against my face, which you should uh, do. That's what I always do. That's for that's science. How, uh, well, that's face ID, right? You smash it against your face. <laughs> Just imagine the amount of people who would do that publicly. Uh, it were to become <laughs> like a, a big, a large scale hoax. Like, oh, you. By the way, the iPhone eight does ship with face ID. You just have to bring it in real close. That's uh, that's the, that's the future, Brian. Just smashing phones against your face. <laughs> Speaking of uh, phones, I guess, and we'll continue that thread, um, a popular rumor that persists but was recently debunked is that Apple does not actually slow down older phones with newer iOS updates. So that's what I was alluding to before, where my wife said her, her iPhone 5S was really laggy. And it was. The thing is, is it's not the actual phone, is what happens over time, the the OS starts to kind of like get stuff in it and... All you really need to do is do a restore, which is irritating, but um, I've deleted a whole bunch of stuff off that phone, and now my daughter is using the iPhone 5S as a music playing device. We took my old uh, music, my old radio dock and put it in her room, so now she's got some music playing as she goes to sleep. But it's back to being relatively speedy, and this these tests uh, that FutureMark ran show that it's really not much slower. Apple does a really good job of keeping um, their older phones working with their newer OSs. Yes, they'll be slower, but not that much slower. Uh, That's one thing I did notice about the iPhone 8 Plus is, yeah, it's faster with certain things, but once you're in an app, it's not that big of a difference. So yeah, so there goes that myth, debunked. There we go. Pivoting quickly, um, we're staying in the Apple realm, but away from phones. A couple of episodes ago, you and I were talking about how Apple should probably get into the content creation game. And so it appears that they're taking some first steps uh, towards that direction with a very surprising yet not collaborator. Yeah, uh, this is a huge step because what the first couple of things they've released have been pretty bad. Wouldn't you say? I mean, things like Carpool Karaoke, which is kind of a low-budget show anyways. Yeah, I guess that's not really bad. It's, it's, I guess it's fun, but uh, Planet of the Apps, stupid name. And I, haven't, I, I don't even want to watch it because I don't feel like cringing that much. But from what I heard, I've heard from some of the Apple developer podcasters that I listen to, they've all said it's not for people like us that kind of are, are nerdy and understand how uh, that ecosystem works. It's really not for us. Uh, but this sounds like it's perfect for me. It's uh, they're going to be partnering with Steven Spielberg to kind of re envision amazing stories, which I think is before your time. But as a seven or eight year old, when there was nothing on TV anyway, uh, this was one of my favorite shows. It lasted for a couple of years in the mid 80s, and um, it actually watching something like Stranger Things brought back a lot of nostalgia for this show uh it was an anthology type show have you ever watched amazing stories brian so i've watched several episodes not um when they originally aired of course because as you're saying i'm a little too young for that uh but no i have i've in the meantime caught up and it's it's very interesting that uh apple is sort of uh spending a lot of money actually so i mean like drop in the bucket for them but they're gonna do 10 episodes with a budget of 5 million per episode for this yeah it's 50 million bucks i mean it's nothing to laugh at but for i guess for apple one you have what 287 billion in the bank yeah it's it's not a big deal but 
this is not the type of problem you could just throw money at. You still need talent there. And it seems like the, um, the two people they hired from Sony have started to kind of build up and get something interesting for them to show. But where are they going to show this? That comes back to that question. Do they give this and roll it out to Apple Music subscribers? Do they create a new web, a new service that they can show on everything, right? That's the thing with Netflix and Hulu and all these other uh, companies. You can pretty much watch them on any box as long as you have the app. With something like iTunes, you have to be on an Apple device. Right. And do they want to cut everyone else out? They haven't done that with Apple Music. Apple Music is available on Android and on, um, on Apple devices. Although it's a lot easier to use on Apple devices, like it kind of goes everywhere. Whereas on Android, apparently, it's not the best app, but if I, it's fine. I I do not see anybody. I'd be curious to know the numbers on who's using Apple Music on an Android device. It's probably like a dad like me whose kids are rebelling <laughs> and getting like Android devices, and they're like, "Well, you're still going to use Apple Music? Too bad." Yeah, deal uh, with it. Yeah, but I'm sure the numbers are like what in the single digit percentages of people who use Apple Music that don't use Apple products. So that that's it. Like do they start a new thing called like Apple Entertainment where it's music and videos and everything? Or do they do two separate services, which would be really annoying. Uh but Amazing Stories is a great catch for them to have as something to entice people to come over to this brand new service. What are your thoughts on this? I'm very interested to see where their uh, their uh, digital video strategy goes, right? So when I think about this, I actually think back to when Fox launched in the late 80s, early 90s, right? So the idea there um, at the time was that it was an upstart um, uh, you know, network with very minimal original programming and a lot of padded syndicated shows, right? So if they are looking to launch their own video service, then they better start acquiring a lot of uh, digital properties to make it worthwhile for someone to want to invest money into, you know, if it isn't the packaged Apple entertainment idea, right? Yeah, because when Netflix launched, it was that. It was just a service. Well, it wasn't even that at first. It was a physical service, right, where you'd mail out and get uh, DVDs in the mail and then you get a new one, whatever. I remember being advertised on a lot of podcasts. And um, when it was... And like in its infancy, it was that unknown that it was advertising on podcasts, which were themselves relatively unknown. And there they started producing their own shows and they've become huge. And now people watch Netflix less for the movies in their back catalog and TV shows than the stuff they're producing themselves. Uh, and Apple needs to kind of catch up much more quickly because these services are all established with a huge uh, stable of shows that they can just trot out whenever they want. And um, even things like HBO, which was one of the earliest, but they were a network. Now they are their own app where you can actually, in the US, you can get um, HBO Go or what's the, uh, there's two HBO apps, whatever. It's the one that you can get without a cable subscription, which is pretty incredible. Uh, and you have a good back catalog of movies as well. So Apple has a lot of work to do if they want to actually be any sort of player in this game. Um, I'm gonna, I link to an article um, in our show notes uh, by Jason Snell where he's wondering if Apple should just go ahead and buy a service because that would be the fastest way, which is what they did with their music service, right? 
the main reason they bought Beats wasn't for their their hardware. It was to get their music service. And it's starting to really uh, produce for them. I think Apple Music at last um, check had 30 million subscribers, which is incredibly fast. It's not even close to Spotify, but they're all paying customers. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, sort of speaking about that tangentially, I don't know if you heard, but so Netflix last week had mentioned uh, in North America the raising prices. Yep, uh, by a buck for me. I don't know if it's the same for you. Yeah, it's a little bit higher than that, yeah. And then um, in response to that, Hulu's actually, in the States at least, uh, decreased um, the one-year um, membership fee uh, oh. by, a, you know, like I think by 10%, right, to, as trying to attract uh, disillusioned Netflix users. That, well, that's kind of smart. And um, it's funny, this is not in the show notes, but uh, apparently, and I don't know if this will be interesting to American listeners, but here um, in Canada, uh, Netflix is being given some tax breaks. And um, my former boss, who owns movie theaters, I used to work in a movie theater, uh, he's like railing against Netflix and uh, really upset about them not having to be charged taxes in comparison to other people like him who run movie theaters. But the sad state of it is, is that a lot less people are going to movie theaters because they really overcharge you. Yeah, it's a combination of things, right? So, I mean, I went to go see the new Blade Runner on Friday. and uh, Or no, sorry, Thursday night. And the big thing, too, is like it was a Thursday night showing. The theater was maybe 20% full uh, for like a 7.30 viewing. Oof. Yeah, that's that's not good. And look, I'll I'll go to theater when I, from time to time. I'm obviously going to go see the new Star Wars uh, when that comes out. As of this recording, the, the trailer just dropped, which I'm avoiding. But Same. Yeah, I'm I'm going to go watch that uh, within the first week or two that it's out with my with my kid cuz I'm sure she's going to love it. And uh but that's one of the few times I go to theaters and it's it's so expensive. When I go with my kid, just I we buy the tickets for the show, we'll and we go to a matinee, so it's not even going in the evening when it's expensive. She's less expensive as well. And we buy some M&Ms and some uh drink or two and some popcorn, and it's 40 or $50. Yeah, it's 50 bucks almost. Yep. So, um, whereas that's five months of Netflix. Unlimited, sitting there, being able to watch it when you want. Exactly, anywhere I want. Like, I can start something on my, in my TV in the, in the living room, start feeling a little tired, bring it upstairs, and watch it on my iPad. Um, yeah, it's it's hard for theaters these days, and... There's even now plans of, you know, maybe having first-run movies shown directly um, on iTunes or or streaming or whatever. They may charge a little more, but I don't know. Right, they're looking at that release window. I mean, there have been articles the past year saying, like, oh, they probably would charge, like, $50 for a concurrently running uh, movie uh, that you can go see in a theater, right? So you can always get together a viewing party. You spend five bucks each, you're good to go. Yeah, or... You know what? I don't feel like going out in a snowstorm, but my kid really wants to watch Star Wars. I was going to spend 50 bucks anyway at the theater. Might as well spend it here. And ironically enough, what will happen is that probably the um, the distributors will probably see more money from that, right, than they would uh, from, you know, going to the theater. Well, ultimately, people are lazy. <laughs> they If they don't have to leave the house to go watch something, why would they leave the house? Especially... When, like, my TV's not great. It's a 10-year-old TV. 
uh, and it's it's okay. It's like a 40-inch, 10-year-old Samsung. It's not the best. But there's people out there that have amazing viewing uh, play, uh, things in their, in their house. They have surround sound and 70-inch TVs and all that. The movie looks fine at that point, and you're in your own living room. And guess yeah, what? Exactly. You can pause it if you have to go to the bathroom, yeah. and there's nobody <laughs> kicking the back of your seat. No, yeah, exactly. The movie waits for you. So I, I would be very happy with that. I wouldn't mind that at all. So, uh, yeah, uh, it'd be pretty interesting to see where this all goes with Apple getting something like Amazing Stories and seeing if they can start making their own movies and all that. But I'm pretty excited about this whole Amazing Stories thing. I don't know about you. And it's actually going to be uh, the showrunner showrunner is going to be the same guy who's doing the new Star Trek show. Right. Star Trek Discovery. Yeah. Brian Fuller. I'm very interested in seeing where it goes. I don't know distribution-wise where it'll end up, right? Because I'm not an Apple Music subscriber. So, you know, if that's the walled garden that they choose to stick their content inside of, then I might be out of luck. Um, so, but you know what? I want to hear from cinephiles and non-cinephiles alike. Like, what are your movie viewing habits like? If you want to go ahead and hit us up on Twitter at double underscore density, you can hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com slash double density podcast. Same thing with Instagram. We're under there at double density podcast. And if you go to our website, double density.net, you can find a contact form and you can hit us up and let us know. Yeah. Or if you want to write a review on uh, the Apple podcasts and iTunes and tell us that we should never talk about movies again. Go ahead. Leave a five-star review. <laughs> One final note, actually, from the tech side of things for this episode is Rob, your UFO guy, sent us an article uh, either today or yesterday all about um, someone who has already hacked the Super Nintendo Classic. And and this was going to come, right? Because it's essentially a retro pie in there. So it was seemingly not too complicated to do. It's the same thing that was done with the NES Classic. And... Yeah, you just kind of have to be careful because you really don't want to be bricking your SNES Classic that you just got. So you might want to wait until it's a little bit more stable. But it's got a great emulator created by Nintendo in there. So why not run some other ROMs? It'll probably be playing really well. Um, By the way, Brian, uh, thanks to you, my kids are really, really enjoying Turtles in Time. One of the best games ever, in my opinion. Well, I'm glad to hear that they're enjoying that. And I'm glad to hear that uh, you put in that whole note of caution, right? Because the whole idea is like right now, um, the crack that they uh, have placed online is still in its infancy, right? So you kind of want to see how things go for the first week, week and a half before you decide to apply it to your 80 or $100 um, peripheral. Yeah, it's just like anything else. I haven't updated my Mac to High Sierra yet because uh, I don't want it to... Uh fail and not be able to record this podcast i don't think it would fail it would probably be fine but uh i every update with uh high sierra with sierra and anything with mac os oftentimes the first thing that breaks is usb audio and what are we doing right now we're using usb audio so we don't want that to break so i don't want my computer to break you don't want your snes classic to be bricked so just be wary of installing software on anything I feel like this is a really sad PSA. Yeah, you know what? No, don't be careful. Just install whatever you want. Be as reckless as you want. So a couple of words of wisdom here from the Double Density Get Along Gang. Uh, (laughs) Angela, let's head over to the paranormal side of things, shall we? Sounds good. Double Density presents The Three Titans.
Double Density. Welcome back to Double Density. As always, we are switching gear from tech to the paranormal. And this week, we thought we were going to talk about Lake Monsters, but uh, the news <laughs> intervened and Lake Monsters will be held off for another week. <laughs> Poor Lake so Monsters. Um, uh, we, so, we like uh, Lake Monsters, by the way, so... Yeah, it's not that we don't like them. It's just like more pressing issues come up, right? So, uh, for example, the big news last week, which Angela and I had a hearty laugh about, was about Bryant Johnson of Casper, Wyoming. Now, if you don't know that name, that's okay. You know, that's fine. <laughs> so, uh, Johnson was in the news last week for trying to alert the human race of impending doom, but was instead picked up for public intoxication. So, it turns out that Johnson claimed that he was sent from 2048 back in time to 2018 in order to warn the locals about impending doom. Only he and I guess the aliens he were hanging out with misfired and Johnson landed in 2017. Also, the aliens he was with uh, filled his body with alcohol and had him stand on a giant pad that sent him shooting back in time. So, of course, he was uh, picked up for public intoxication while trying to warn, quote, the president of the town he was in uh, about some impending doom. So how do, you, how do you feel about time travel? So I love time travel. Um, back to the Future is one of my favorite movies. Uh, I always kind of am sad to think that when I finally get to show it to my kids, the future part will be the past. It's been the past for a few years at this point, but I, I really enjoy time travel. I've read a lot of books about time travel and how um, it's maybe possible, but not necessarily. Um, and I've always been fascinated with stories of time slips and people uh, losing time or taking a wrong turn down a road and ending up at an inn where everybody seems kind of dressed funny and uh, the money's different and then they find out that that inn no longer exists. I remember, this is a story I read in a book, which I can't even remember what the book was called. It was a great book about time travel. And uh, these time types of stories always fascinate me. So like when I see something like this, it really uh, gets my attention until I read like the end of this story where like the alien informant allegedly smelled of alcohol, had watery and bloodshot eyes and slurred speech, police noted. So yeah, not the same thing. He was also blowing a 0.136. So I mean, that's kind of an indicator of where he was at. So his story, I would say, is less than... Um, I guess believable. It's not an immersive story. Let's put it that way. Oh no, that's for right? sure. Right. So I, 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 and I kind of feel like that's some of the, um, uh, the less immersive it is, the harder it is to want to buy into the story, right? Yeah, and that's why, like I said, I like those time slip ones where um, the people uh, just maybe went through a wormhole and they didn't notice it. <laughs> Something like that could possibly be happening at Skinwalker. Uh, where uh, you end up in something, some sort of portal, but they didn't see it. It wasn't very visible, and it's like they flew through the mist, and they ended up in like uh, Silent Hill. So, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of interesting to see things like that or hear of stories like that. What actually happened? Was there an actual time anomaly? Chances are pretty low that that's ever happened, but. The stories that we've, um, I just did some brief research on this because like, again, I was totally ready for Lake Monsters this week, but um, yeah, I, I went back and thought about these stories and there's a few that came up and there is one, a story we've talked about in the past that I kind of wanted to ask you, do you think this might be what Betty and Barney Hill experienced where it wasn't aliens, but it was time travelers? I, I think people have posited that before, if I'm not mistaken. 
I've definitely read uh, read both. So there's like there's two distinct camps, right? The idea that like aliens have been messing with them versus people from the future have been sort of studying them. And I don't know which is the more believable one because like once you start entering the realm of the fantastical, it's kind of like all bets are off, right? Like it could be aliens or it could be people from the future. Yeah, it's just it's it's interesting to posit that maybe the grays that we see are not aliens they're just from here it's you know it's been in the house the whole time <laughs> but then who was telephone right exactly call back so um i want to talk about my favorite uh, uh time traveler i guess um a man that you and i sort of both know that i've done a, a lot of research on so a guy named john Tidor, right yeah so uh, you say i know but i i had i guess struck him from my memory because i uh, I did when you said, "Oh, we're going to talk about this this week." I said, "Who the hell's that?" <laughs> and then when I looked it up, it, it recalled, and I, I remembered, "Okay, this is this weird thing that was in the infancy of the internet and was all over the place." So yeah, I'm much less of an expert on this than you are. Okay. I kind of read through a few things, but I'm very curious to see where this takes us. So please, Brian. So I mean, John Teeter is probably the best known hoaxer time travel of the internet era, right? I guess we can agree on that. So he began to appear on message boards and IRC channels just after the turn of the millennium. So Titor outlined his story in a series of posts and messages. He was shot back in time, traveling from 2036 to grab an IBM 5100 computer uh, in order to debug legacy programs that were still in existence in 2036. Because I don't know if you know this, but there's like a uh, the Unix 2038 problem, the way that the bits are stored. When yeah, that comes um, up, that might be a bit of an issue. And we'll yeah. uh, link to some of that in the show notes. It's about 32-bit integers and not working out, but... Yeah, I wonder, look, we have so much time to fix that. Can't, like, isn't, aren't people on top of this at this point? Hopefully that shouldn't be a problem with, I mean, look how much we can do uh, with with our current technology and how can this end up being a problem? But we'll see. Right. So an interesting side note about the 20, uh, the 5100, uh, the computer chosen, is that it indeed had the little known ability to debug and emulate systems, which was not a widely reported fact. So the people who designed the, the computer um, admitted that this was a feature that they had that they didn't want competitors to know about because they weren't sure about how they were going to use it. So they kept it hidden all these years. So uh, until 2000, that was kind of a, a hidden feature of the 5100. So originally, Tito was supposed to land in 1975, but came closer to the year 2000 for undisclosed personal reasons that he never got into. So um, Tito's predictions made uh, you know were very bold about a future civil war which never came to pass the splitting of the united states into five territories and then world war three was supposed to occur two years ago in 2015 according to him with the last olympics uh, happening in 2004 so clearly um his predictions uh never came to pass but we'll get into why in a sec right so this sort of reads like a, a story like kyle reese the michael bean character yeah. from the terminator franchise would churn out if he had time to like sit down in front of a computer and just like write out his thoughts for months on end right so, well, the whole time I'm reading this, he looks like Michael Bean in my head. So, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Uh, I'm picturing this guy that looks like Michael Bean typing at a, feverishly at a computer on uh, posting on forums and apparently sending fax, faxes to uh, the uh, Coast to Coast AM show that uh, uh, I think you're a fan of that from uh, what I hear. Uh, no comment. But, yeah. So um, I don't know if you were going to mention that later, but uh, that's something that he's also done was sending faxes, I think, in the late 90s to... Yeah, so from 98-ish onwards. So Yeah, he was really uh, old-schooling with those fax yeah. machines. <laughs> I guess they were present time at that point. So 
I think the best sorts of hoaxers weave fact and fiction into sort of like a cohesive narrative that grips the reader, right? So, I mean, everyone wants to know about the future. Everyone wants to be able to see what's coming down the pipeline, both good and bad. It's the bread and butter of people um, like survivalist nuts and uh, conspiracy theorists like. It's the one space I feel like where both of those can co-mingle without worrying too much, right? Yeah, uh, because you can kind of come up with ideas about what's going to happen and not have be not be too worried about being wrong either because it's, it'll take a while to be wrong in this case now looking at it from 2017 we see this guy was completely wrong uh, the best hoaxers also weave in a backdoor escape in case things go in plan right so teeters is a pretty standard one he uses the many worlds interpretation of time travel he claims that every action refracts the future into a different direction and splits the timeline down the middle right so therefore the future that teeter lived isn't necessarily the future we're going to live through ourselves or the future we have been living in due to the countless decisions moment to moment that every single one of us on earth has made between uh 2000 and you know 2036 presumably so moment to moment the lives we live uh, vector us into different directions yeah uh, the thing is, is he mentioned also at that point that it doesn't make that much of a difference so the things he predicted are drastically different from what uh, has actually happened although now people do think we are in the darkest timeline considering what's happening yeah that's definitely like um in terms of like a spectrum of timelines i feel like we're closer to a better one than the one that um Tidor and his Much elk better. are living through right now that 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 is true uh I mean, just to think there's there might be a timeline there where i didn't call my carrier and i didn't get a great deal on an iphone 8 god forbid that uh, there exists a timeline like that where you're stuck with your current phone for an extra couple of months i know so the most adept people who spend their days predicting the future or futures, depending on who you want to believe, tend to always have these back doors, right? So people like um, futurists, and I hate using that word, um, yeah. Sean David Morton and people like Gordon Michael Scallion spend a lot of their time crafting tales that leave back doors in them, right? So claiming that their visions may not be the definitive ones, but the most likely outcome. And time and time again, they're proven to be wrong. It's Sean David Mortensen, Morton, whatever his name is, you shouldn't even like, he's nothing, he, you can't present him without just calling him a criminal. At this point, he's... He's literally spending time in jail, CS. Uh, current criminal, uh, past futurist, Sean David Morton. Past futurist, that's, that's an interesting uh, way of putting it. Uh, I mean, uh, something also that's kind of weird about this whole thing is like, uh, the simple fact that Teeters spend a lot of time on forums and RC channels certainly raises some eyebrows. Like, were he to be serious, then shouldn't he have chosen other avenues by which to disseminate his information? Wouldn't it make more sense to go like broad instead of post in places that, uh, you know, where there weren't as many eyeballs that were sort of like niche? Because he posted on various random forums that didn't have large followings, right? So he kind of picked and chose his targets very carefully. Yeah, because I think he kind of wanted to have like a little gradual buildup to test test the waters and see where things were going to go. And, uh, and, you know, here we go. Uh, 15 years later, we're talking about him on a podcast. He didn't see podcasts coming, did he? <laughs> no, Sean, uh, neither Sean David Morton, Gordon Michael Scalley, nor John Titor predicted the rise of the podcast. So no, you're right. They all started with cereal. So John Titor, is he a man? Is he a construct? Uh, there's been a lot of evidence to support the idea that uh, there may be more than one perpetrator behind the time traveler underscore zero uh, name ha handle that existed before he dropped that and became John Titor, right? So I feel as though he may actually be the creation of a team of minds, you know, spreading over between 18 to 24 months. There's some validity to this. Um, there was an investigation that was launched and a PI had discovered that two brothers in Florida were probably the the Titor perpetrators. So yeah, you know, that information is kind of out there right now and has been for about 10 years. What I find interesting is when they looked into the family name Titor, it doesn't exist at all. 
that was kind of interesting that uh, that's something that's even possible is they just pulled a name out of the air and doesn't even exist. So um, it would have been funny if they did find the John Titor and they're like, no, I'm not a time traveler. I'm just some guy. But, they should have gone the other way and picked John Smith, like the most obvious common name. Then, yeah, but then they would have called, been called out for being fa- like it would have been a fake name. Just, something a little uh, like in between. So like Brian Hasty. Hey, I'm, I'm not a futurist as of yet. I might be a future futurist, you know, down the line. Maybe. We don't know. This is an upcoming segment on the show. <laughs> so despite this revelation about, you know, the idea of like Titor being a construct of multiple people, the myth of him still exists as well as persists. It continues to endure partially because of how much fun the story itself is, but also the idea of a future that could have been, but thankfully uh, never was, I think also plays into a lot of why people uh, keep the story alive every once in a while. Yeah, these that's all they are, is that it's especially something like this that, uh, look, we, we can be pretty sure it's all made up, uh, but it, it's interesting how it grabbed people so much so that it's it has a relatively long Wikipedia article about it, and it's well-researched. It's, it, there's 32 references in this, in this uh, Wikipedia article, which is quite a bit for something this inconsequential when you think of it unless it is the future of the human race then it's very consequential but um yeah it's it's one of the ones that's pretty interesting but there's no there's nobody uh, there's no face of it right the, it's all uh behind the scenes and it's uh and something on a forum whereas there's other ones out there that um there's somebody claiming that he's a time traveler, like the, like the 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 Ed Cameron Cameron guy. Is that his name, Ed Cameron? Yeah, the Ed Cameron slash Al Bielik. I don't even want to begin touching that one in death because it's such uh, an insane story. So Al Bielik, uh came to prominence in the '80s and '90s, claimed he was part of the Montauk Project, claimed that he was uh, part of the Philadelphia Experiment, was shot through time to the '80s from the '40s, and then shot through time. Um, to 2137 and then was able to see 2749 or 2750. Um, so, I mean, there's just a lot of insanity there going on. That, um, yeah. And then, like, Al Bielik doesn't actually know when he was born, so he keeps claiming everywhere from 1916 to 1927, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's a really odd one, and maybe we'll devote more time to it in the future. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. It's It's kind of... An odd one. The whole. I think we'll probably touch upon it when we talk about uh, the Philadelphia experiment eventually, because we'll have to get to that for sure. Because that's an interesting thing. Uh, I remember watching that movie as a kid, and it freaking me out. We'll have to talk about that for sure. The one I came across that uh, the first time I heard about it was on the Not Alone podcast, but I read into it a little today. Was the Torrid Man? Had you ever heard about this one? So I've read about it on the internet and uh, I've never read about it. So the people who came up with it via the internet had uh, claimed that this uh, story had existed in a bunch of books prior to that, but I wasn't able to find anything. Yeah, that's the weird thing. And um, there's somebody got a picture of him, uh, but it's all a reconstruction. It's not an actual picture. But it is an interesting story where this man showed up at a Japanese airport with uh a passport from an unknown country with stamped visas in it and then he just disappeared because but he tried to point out his country on a map and it was kind of between France and Spain or something it was really odd uh and 
another one of these fun stories. What, but what's different from this one is it apparently took place in the 50s, and there is uh, a face associated with it, but it's it's something, again, that's it's slightly different. In this case, he's not necessarily a time traveler. He's kind of like... It's, again, the many worlds theory, so it's it's like John Titor said. Uh, it's a world where a different country was born, and he's from that country and traveling to Japan to a hotel that doesn't exist in this version of Japan. It's just very interesting and creepy to think about that there's these people that uh, are traveling in and out of time and showing up in our world without themselves even realizing it. How is that happening? And is it actually happening? I'm falling in the camp of none of this is actually happening, but that's not a shock to you, is it, Brian? Well, not at all. Um, maybe this Torrid Traveler is a an interdimensional version of the MIV, which we talked about last week. Yeah, that actually wouldn't be too far off and kind of interesting, although uh, the, it, it makes me laugh to think the... Um, MIB going on like a business trip to Japan for like an MIB conference and then showing up <laughs> in the wrong Japan world. So like they'd have to kind of, uh, he'd be embarrassed when he shows up to the actual Japan he was supposed to go to. It'd be kind of funny. And then gets detained. Yeah. Do, do men in black blush? Well, I mean, it depends, right? If they are human beings, perhaps. If they're aliens with painted on lips and eyebrows and other facial features, I don't think they blush. Yeah, no, I don't think they blush. They uh, they just talk in robotic tones and scare people and just show up in their house. Also of interest, something I guess a little more factual, but not really is a, a, a website I linked you to uh, last week called futuretimeline.net, which is a list of everything that's going to happen in the next, oh, I don't know, uh, one million years, more give or take. Yeah, I, I love stuff like this. It's a lot of fun, actually. Um, I'm just looking at the 2018 timeline, which is a little more like it's so close to home, but uh, who knows if all these things happen? Like some of them are possible. Like the first hyperloop track is open to the public. Um, Polio has been eradicated. That would be pretty cool. Universal flu vaccine. That'd be great. But then you start kind of going uh, beyond that. And there's some crazy stuff that they start talking about. So it'd be pretty interesting. So, We'll include that in the show notes, and if you want to read through that, definitely do so. There's some very surprising stuff that actually made me laugh. Um, I mean, it's more entertaining than informative. I mean, at the very least, they kind of have articles and things like that backing up each claim for each year, you know, so at least there's there's that really. It's not insanity like uh, John Titor. Am I saying that right, Titor? I'm pronouncing it Titor. 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 John, if you're out there, give us a call. You're clearly from the future, so you know where you can find us. Yep. Um, so go ahead and just hit us up through the usual channels. Let us know how to pronounce your name. Sounds like a plan. Next week on Double Density. Bob the Printer reveals all. Double Density. I mean, like, once you start... Um, going down the rabbit hole of time travel and the grandfather paradox and all that, it becomes very fascinating, but also very frustrating really quickly because you have to wrap your brain around a lot of, a lot of concepts and if, and almost like a, a series of like decision trees, depending on which model you want to follow. Well, whenever there's a, a show or a video game or a book or whatever that deals with time travel, they really have to make sure that they set their way, the, the rules work for their own version of time travel 
um, early so that we understand what's going on. I, I really enjoyed a show last year called Timeless. Uh, it's on Netflix now, and apparently it's been renewed for a shorter season uh, next year. But I was really enjoying it because of the way they were handling the rules and how things would change. So in the um, spoiler alert for the first episode, but she uh, they hire somebody who's a historian to go with them to make sure everything's accurate. And in the first episode, she ends up making a mistake or somebody ends up making a mistake and she comes back and her sister is no longer around. Nobody knows who she is and she's disappeared. So things like that where they never get themselves, nothing changes, but things around them do change. So they come back and things were different. It was, it's an interesting show. I highly recommend it to watch it on Netflix. If anybody likes um, time travel stuff, it's kind of fun. Well, there you go. Another show that unfortunately is very frustrating to me and I stopped watching is The Flash because it deals with similar issues. It's just very frustrating when they go back and forth all the time. And it's it's sort of a story that's wrapped up in all of that. And, and it gets very um, difficult to sort of care about towards the end. So uh, a big no-no to The Flash. I did stop watching it as well, I think, halfway through last year. Yeah, exactly. Like I gave up. Yeah, pretty much at the end of season two, uh, resetting the timeline, going back and forth so much. I, I just, I don't care. Make a better story than this. It's frustrating too because I liked the actors in the show. I really liked the the guy who plays the Flash. He's a lot of fun. I, I, I like. I remembered him from his days on Glee, and um, but it's it's too bad that the show itself kind of got on my nerves. I don't watch that much TV. I'm just waiting for a certain fruit company to come out with a really good entertainment service for me. If only that were in the cards in a probable future out there somewhere, Angelo, right? Yeah, I wonder. I love how we went from, you know, talking about time travel to hot takes about television shows that we care about slash don't care about. So that's the joy and the, the, the warmth of double density right there. Well, something my wife said to me this week is that you're lucky you only have to talk to me once a week, uh, especially in a week where I get a new device to talk about over and over and over again with my poor wife. Um, I was showing her this and that and asking her about her new phone and showing her stuff on her new phone. And she looked and she's like, Brian's so lucky he only talks to you once a week. We only talk once a week, but I, I get, we have daily exchanges about all of this too, right? So, Oh yeah. It, the funny thing about Brian and I was we, we essentially chat or text each other every day. Uh, but We've gone months and months without actually hearing each other's voices since uh, from the time before this podcast. But uh, yeah, now we talk every week, which is fun. Yeah. And I mean, at least now you have an outlet for all of your um, hot Apple fantasies. (laughs) I wouldn't call them fantasies. Look, if that was the case. (laughs) You just literally said, I wish a fruit company would come out with the distribution service. I don't know, dude. But look, uh, I I expressed my frustration about being at the Apple store uh, this week. I, I don't. It's, but it's less so about the Apple uh, people themselves and more so about other users, right? So I don't think that like your argument holds too much water in that regard. Yeah, you, you mean them selling the devices with their horrible use of them? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, cracking screens and putting you know gum inside of the headphone jack on the older models. I thought that was a gum holder. That that <laughs> reminds me of the the old story I used to hear when I worked at um, there's a big box uh, technology store here in Canada called Future Shop. And I used to work there um, back in the late 90s in the music department. That was cool. Um, but um, there were stories from the technicians telling us how people would come with their keyboards completely ruined because they put them in the dishwasher to clean them. Or um, this one, I think, is a little anachronistic where it's 
everybody has told me this story, but somebody came in and thanked one of the salesmen for the free cup holder he got with his computer. And it was actually the CD drive. That's definitely one of those uh, legends that sort of has been said yeah. multiple times across multiple channels. Because the salesman I spoke to claimed that he was thanked for it, but I'm pretty sure he was full of it. Uh, but it is a fun story. You know, that could be a fun episode idea, though, about um, retail and tech, right? Because we both experienced it in different ways. You who did? I didn't know that. I, I just meant as, like, as, a, as a person interacting with people. In a big box. Oh, because okay, I thought I I thought you had worked at a at a retail tech store as well. Uh, no, I would never do that to myself. It was so when I worked there was the infancy of DVDs, and there were very few DVDs, and there were people that would come in every week, the same faces, and they bought every single DVD that came out. I can't imagine spending that much money on DVDs, but back then, I guess it was something to do. You'd be you'd be surprised. How many people just show up to the same store all the time? Oh, I don't doubt that. I had that conversation. Um, I semi-regularly frequent a comic book store nearby, and I, one of the owners and I actually have regular talks about some of the clientele that appears regularly there. Yeah, I, I wonder if people do that at the Apple store where they see the same guy come in and it's like, oh, no, not that guy again. Um, I did have a, uh, actually, I, I forgot to mention, the best interaction I had at the Apple store, the genius was great that I dealt with, but I had a really nice interaction with um, the person that sold me the case for my iPhone 8 Plus. I didn't think I was going to buy a case, by the way, uh, because it is a lot uh, grippier, I guess would be the right word, compared to the 6 and 6S and all those phones with the aluminum back. It's not as slippery, but it's a glass back. And no matter how hard Apple says it's a gl- uh, it is of glass, I'm scared I'm going to shatter it. So I bought um, a case there, and she, was, uh, she laughed at my Johnny Ive joke, so there. I said Johnny Ive would be very, very disappointed if he saw me covering it with a case, but at least I'm covering it with an Apple case. And uh, she laughed because she wanted you out of the store, probably. No, I, I can tell it was a genuine laugh. I'm very funny, Brian. All right. All right. I mean, you could be, as I call you, perhaps an Apple antagonist, right? Like one of the people who doesn't ever leave the store or would ever want to leave the store necessarily. Oh, geez. No, I, I, I get in that store and I get out of there as quickly as possible. It's... I, People love going to Apple stores, but I don't know, man. It's There's so many people in there all the time. Uh, the best time to go, I usually try to, if I can, I get an appointment like at 10 o'clock for whatever issue I have. I've, I mean, I've only really gone five or six times, but uh, yeah, it's much, uh, it's much worse in the afternoon because I dropped off my phone at 11.20 and then I had to go pick it up at 2.30. 2.30 at the Apple store, not a fun place to be. Yet another tale of an Angelo exploit at the Apple Store. And with that, brings the end of episode 25 of the Double Density Podcast. And as always, you can find us on Twitter over at double underscore density. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash double density podcast, Instagram, double density podcast, and also over at our website, double density.net. If you go ahead, you can click on the blog link at the top right in order to read our most recent menagerie of articles, including Angelo's thoughts about the uh, newer set of iPhones as well as um, a couple of other things. And then, as always, if you want to contact us, there's a contact link right there. And as always, we have switched our posting schedules. We're now coming out every Wednesday. So this is the second, third episode that comes out on a Wednesday, right? It is. Our second episode was the one that is dropping in the future because we're in the past. Uh, But yeah, it's um, our second episode was with our amazing guest, Rob Christofferson and uh, that was a fun episode I hope everybody enjoyed that one 
and we plan to have more episodes like that in the future. But let us know what you thought. If you want us to have more guests, if you think me and Brian should talk less or more about a certain topic, um, unless it's Apple, that's not going to change. But uh, yeah, uh, please let us know what you think. And again, uh, a review in iTunes would be highly appreciated. We don't have enough in there. We'd love to have more. And um, always feel free to contact us. We'll be happy to answer your question. And as always, tune in. So next week, we're going to be talking about Laserdiscs, <laughs> a.k.a. the best mirror of all time. So Angelo, I'll see you around. See you in 2038. I'll see you when I see you. <laughs>